passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Guys, Stephanie cannot be pleased after what happened last week in the hands of the New Day from SmackDown Live. Well, Kurt Angle's got to be beside himself with the last images we saw last week on Monday Night Raw were new tag team champions, but you can thank SmackDown. You don't know that when Stephanie shows up, the law is about to get put down. And I love it. How could you be so heartless? How could you be so cold as the winner win when it breeze yo? Just remember that you talking to me though. You need to watch the way you talking to me yo. I mean, after all the things that we've been through, I mean, after Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock in Canada, and I am joined by Wei Ting in Japan. Wei, how are you? Hello. I'm very well. You sound like you're sitting right next to me. Well, um, through the magic of the internet, I might as well be. What's the difference, whether I'm in Scarborough or Tokyo? Well, the difference is uh, I am not speaking to you in your pajamas. I did not have to drive for 30 minutes in order to see you. And this is, this is actually easier than how it usually is. It, it's always worth the drive to Scarborough, though. I didn't get to see your, your dad tonight. So that already starts to show on a bit of a somber note. Well, I can get him over to your place. He's, I mean, or you can visit my house anytime you want. He's still there. Did he watch Raw tonight? Do you think he might have tuned in at all? Um, doubtful, but I'm sure you can talk to him about something. Um, landscaping. He's big into that. Oh, okay. I'm sure yeah. we can have a fascinating chat. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, snowing now. I hear. I feel like I left Toronto at just the right time. Yeah, there was a little bit of snow over the weekend. It was not anything uh, insane, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been very cold here over the last couple of days. I brought out my winter jacket the other day, and I definitely needed it on Saturday, although it's got a little warmer. Though I know in Tokyo it's like 11 out, so it's not too bad. The weather's fairly nice, isn't it? It's actually been excellent weather. Like, like it's a little bit chilly, but it's not snowing or anything like that. And it's been like really great for walking. Um, it's been a little rainy for the past couple of days. So, uh, you know, that kind of dampens things, but otherwise it's been, it's been awesome. I've been just walking everywhere. Even rode a bike at one point. So you went first to Shanghai, correct? You were there for uh, a day, half a day? For like 12 hours, I like the way I found like a really cheap flight to Tokyo. And but part of it is uh, these incredibly long layovers. And my layover happened to be 12 hours in Shanghai where I had to wait. Um, But it worked out perfectly for me because my other brother lives in Shanghai. So I actually had a chance to visit him and just kind of, you know, for free included as part of this trip. So I just basically spent the day with him. 
Oh, that's nice. And then you mm-hmm. made your way to Japan. So yeah. right as it, it's funny, you go over to Asia where the president, Donald Trump, is presently, where Robin Black just was, where Damian Abraham is. I think that everybody is over there. Yeah. Me. What are you doing still over there, man? Come on. I'm just uh, I'm just keeping it real here in Toronto. Damian. Yeah, Damien is actually in town, and uh, we I might meet up with him tomorrow um, as well. Uh, I might be uh, – I know I am actually going to, to see the, the World Tag League show uh, at the at Corcoran Hall, I believe, on Saturday. And I'm actually going to be doing that with uh, Chris Charlton, and uh, I might get a chance to hang out with JoJo and WH as well. Wow. What a – Yeah. We're all here, John. Like what are you doing Everyone still over but there? Everyone me. Dude, well, yeah. you guys should definitely take a photo together. I think that would be tremendous, and I think the mm-hmm. the nicest thing to do would be to Instagram that for everybody. Oh, if you want to follow my adventures, yes, join us on Instagram, Way0937. I know you, John, have been very active on Instagram as of late. I'm trying to be more grammable. In fact, you were you were very much against Instagram for years. Oh, now I'm all about it. I wanna I wanna dive full in. I'm. I've got the the bug, the Instagram bug. In fact, today I wrote out this note that I thought I could post on Instagram and couldn't. Have you ever posted a note? What do you mean? Like a, a what does note that mean? on your phone. You know where you can type in your notes. Like section? you mean like screenshot it? No, I've seen like, this. I've seen it on Twitter. Yeah, you, and I thought yeah, it could be done for Instagram. You don't you don't go right from the <laughs> You go, you have to screenshot it. In order to to save it as a photo, that's what people do. God, it seems like you can't. It's, by the end of this, I I just deleted it. I was like, this was way too much effort. So you were like hitting like the the share button and look looking for the Instagram icon. Yes. <laughs> no, dude. Come on, the world is laughing at you right now. Dude, Instagram is really tough. Are you a millennial or not, man? I'm, Come on. I'm barely. I'm barely one. I'm pretty much. Uh, I don't know. I don't identify as one. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, Braden tech- right now is technically just laughing at this. Laughing. Oh, my God. Well, if you want to follow John, stumble his way through technology. At I am John Pollock is where you can find him. And you posted a very nice photo with uh, with our friend, Mauro Ranallo. I did. He was here in Toronto last week, so I met up with him. We went. To yeah, the- how was that? It was great. I got to meet up with him and our good pal Harris, who was also in town. Oh. Okay. Anything else? Tell me the details. Did he spill any beans? Any any secrets about the WWE that you can tell me? Oh yeah, he's he's got an. What does he think about Vince? Uh, yeah, what does he what does he truly think about Vince? He was he was actually disappointed that you were not in town. I I was disappointed too. I haven't seen him in a while. Because you left the day I I think I met up with him. I think it was mm-hmm. Wednesday you left. Uh, I I I guess so. Yeah, right after SmackDown. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been up to. I'm trying to think of anything else of uh of note. You're, you've had a more interesting weekend, I'm sure. What have you done in Japan? Have you done anything really adventurous? How's your brother? Yeah, um, either of them. He's doing great. Yeah, they're both doing great. So I'm staying with my other brother James right now in his uh, place in Tokyo, and uh, I think a lot of my time has just been spent kind of checking out like his part of the city, which is sort of a suburb. But even like a suburb of Tokyo is like massive and it's got like a lot going on so um i've been you know just walking a lot 
um, visiting various shops and just kind of appreciating uh, everything about the city. Like it's, it's clean. It's everybody's like incredibly polite. Um, what are you trying to say? Do you not get I'm that kind of every, experience? Back seeing here? everywhere else. Are, um, no, not to this level. I mean, I suppose Canadians are, are kind of nice, but like you can like people, even in, in like shops, when you walk in, they're not really pushy. Um, like service is just, amazing everywhere so um i've just been enjoying that and uh you know systematically everything works really well the bathrooms are just like amazing are you like are you traveling with the assistance of a bidet at your residence you're taking up yes yes i am wow like i saw that i saw that my brother bought one of these and i was like man like you're living the dream you know, like the 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 the, ro- the robotic ones with the with the tube that that comes out. Oh my goodness, dude! Is this, is, this ever, like, is this like a hands-free bidet? Yeah, completely. It I does mean, there's like a it's like a remote, I, I guess, or you can just like press a button. And like, are there speeds you, to ha- this thing? Are there there are techniques? There are speeds. There are patterns, like different <laughs> wow. different rhythms. You can set it to like. Um, like it moves, you know, like you, like, it, I guess, depending on your body, you can adjust, uh, you can adjust the velocity, the velocity? temperature oh my God. Oh, the, of the, of the spray. Um, it, that to me is worth the trip alone. They're very enticing. I mean, I don't know why North America and the rest of the world is so late to this. Like it's, it, this stuff is hardly that new. Um, and I just, I don't know why I really don't know. As someone that, um, that changes a lot of diapers now, I have dreamed of the idea of like a baby version of a bidet. A baby, a baby bidet. That's brilliant. A, a bidet. Uh, there's definitely a pun there. I'm not getting it. I'm not grasping. A baby, baby bidet. <laughs> sure, uh, we'll patent that. Damn. Um, Forget these podcasts. Like we should be. That's our. That's our business. Yeah. Baby day. I I could talk about this stuff all day. I got clawed all, today. All the, all the, day. Uh, the my son, he just he's got like these. Na- we cut his nails, but he just will claw me. He he reached out like Wolverine tonight and just scratched the side of my head. It hurt Jesus, like, hurt like hell. It's like how can you a, sure you how can you a sure four you? month old possess so much uh, aggression? Sounds like you have a cat. You sure he's not a cat? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not a cat. Pretty sure. Hmm. Um, was he squirmy when you're? I mean, obviously he was when you're trying to clip clip his nails. Was that the like how many? How often have you had to clip his nails? Oh, you have to do it like once a week. Wow. Maybe even more. My wife typically cuts his nails. I I don't do it. Has he? Um. Uh. He has. He doesn't have enough hair yet for a haircut. But um, like uh-huh. I was there when when one of my nephews had his first haircut. Uh huh. And like. He was like crying so much because like at that age, you think that like somebody's cutting your head off. Like you don't know what they're doing, you know? Our our baby yeah. is pretty relaxed in most situations. So I don't know. We're 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 going for a big one uh next week. We're taking him to see Santa Claus. Wow. Um okay. Do you I'm, know I'm curious to know how that'll go. Do you know you have to book 
like appointments now with Santa. I, I shouldn't be too surprised by this because as we learned last year, just showing up yeah. and expecting a photo with Santa is hardly a given. But yeah. yeah. What do you mean? You, we what? had to book a time with Santa at the mall. He's so booked what? up. You have to schedule a time. Their, their time is so, uh, valuable that you have to literally book an appointment hmm. for your child to meet up with Santa Claus and get a photo oh, taken. Wow. Well, maybe eventually they'll get to the point where, where they'll have multiple Santas that you can see. Just yeah. completely spoil it for everybody. It's a thriving industry. I guess so. Yeah. So, well, I look, I look forward to that. I wonder if he'll share the same enthusiasm for Christmas as you. I, I think that Santa photo is grammable. Oh, okay, excellent. If not, I'll, um, I'll, I'll write a note about the experience. Like he has no, obviously, no idea, impression of what Santa Claus is, no, right? No, so, he can't so really appreciate it. So to somebody who knows nothing about Santa Claus, like he would just be kind of like this weird fat guy um, in like a really bright red outfit. And is that like, wh- will that be enjoyable? I can't see that being pleasurable at all. I, I think it's it's more the enjoyment is for the parents to see this and then it's sure. a story for, for years later. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, I think that's really a lot of parenting, isn't it? It's just like dressing up your kid the way that you want. Oh, totally. Making him like basically grow up to be like, yeah, whatever, like a slave, your slave. I wouldn't say that would be the, the comparison one would make. If anything, we're the slaves to the child. He that dictates when I yes. sleep, when I wake up. He dictates mm. everything. Mm-hmm. I wake up every morning now at, at seven in the morning. And I just, he gave you this time. He gave you this time to record this show at least though. He's very good at this time actually. Where, this where are first, you recording? I'm in my, uh, I'm in my main area here. This is the first time I've tried to record anything since we have. Oh had. wow. So we might have a guest appearance for Max at some point. I don't think we will. Um, but if we do, then that's life. Then that's just going to mm. happen. Before okay. we start the raw review, I don't want to forget this. I want to, I want to thank, uh, our man. Randy Liu, who, uh, who sent, uh, I think he sent both of us a gift. And I want to thank him here because he doesn't have, I don't have an email for him. So I didn't know how I could thank him, but I wanted to thank him publicly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I have his email. I can send it to you. How did you get his email? Oh, actually, I have his uh, Twitter, I believe. Or, or Facebook. I have one, I have one of them, those things. His, his message, he literally said that. He only has LinkedIn as his only form of social media. So I had no way. That's no, not, that's not true. That's what this message says. Maybe he doesn't want you to contact oh, him. Oh, I see that. Well, he, uh, he sent to uh, you and I, uh, a gift. So, and I don't want to, uh, reveal what it was. I don't want to encourage people to have to, uh, feel the pressure to, to one up Randy or anything, but I did want to thank him here. He gave us each a car. <laughs> a car. And I highly, I highly encourage it. Yeah. So. It's a four door. It's very nice, very economical. It's a. Oh, you, I got a Chevrolet Volt. You gave me a Ford Focus, Uh-oh. so you 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 got a better one than me. Wonderful. Anything else? Um, not no, not really, not really. Um, let's talk about Raw. 
All right. Well, this was the final. You know, you know what? Before we even get to it, like, sure. Uh, so my time right now is about like one thirty. Oh yeah, I forgot about, the, forgot about this. See, I'm talking to you so, late on a Monday night. You're this is the the afternoon for you. This is prime yeah. sightseeing time, and you're spending it talking yeah. with me. So you want to get this this show on the road? Uh, truthfully, yes, I I kind of do, but I don't mind it at all. Like, I mean, because maybe it's because of the jet lag, but like the jet lag has actually made me into a normal functioning human being. Oh God. So now I, it's now, the now, effect now, on you. Yeah. Now I automatically wake up every day at 7am. And so I got up at seven and kind of did, you know, studied, studied a bit of Japanese, uh, just kind of dealt with a bunch of things. And then by 10 o'clock, 10am, I was ready to sit down and watch raw. And I've been like full of energy. Um, it's like one thirty in the afternoon and I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. So was I was it hard quite, to watch raw. No, just in terms of accessibility for yourself. Well, a lot of things are available on the internet, uh, and I don't think you have to feel guilty was, about that. You had to watch it by this certain time. You had to watch it live, so I don't think anyone yeah, would hold it against I, you that you had to uh, watch this on some kind of stream somewhere. I don't. I don't know if there's a, a Japanese broadcaster of Raw that airs it live. So yes, I did have to go through alternate means. Well, this was our final Raw before Survivor Series on Sunday. Quite the show that they have coming up. Where we're going to get into all of that. They were in Atlanta, Georgia on Monday night, the Phillips Arena. And Stephanie McMahon comes out to start the show way. And Booker T says, I swear to God, this was his exact quote. You know, when Stephanie shows up, the law is about to get put down. And I love it. Wow. Is that who we have to blame? It's like, Ouch. <laughs> Booker yeah. T. Damn. With the venom. He says, whenever Stephanie uh, uh, shows up, this is what happens. And Stephanie gets into the ring, says her decisions affect shareholders and performers and things that these regular people cannot understand. She needs leaders such as Kurt Angle and brings out Kurt. And Stephanie asks about last week, and Angle says he was ready for SmackDown's raid. So Stephanie starts to inquire how the New Day was able to get into the building. And Angle just is like a five-year-old that has been caught stealing by the teacher. And he's like, I don't know. Well, at least you're honest, Mr. Angle. And then before she could give him detention, she asked if there was actually a raid or if Shane just manipulated Kurt last week. And she mocked Angle's attempts to defend against SmackDown. And... She brings up how the fifth member is going to be Jason Jordan, who this crowd booed just at the sound of his name. And she asks, who is Jason Jordan? And accuses Kurt Angle of nepotism. Stephanie McMahon is going to play the nepotism card here. And wow, awesome. She says that SmackDown's fifth member is John Cena. And instead, Angle chose Jason Jordan instead of John Cena. So Stephanie says there could only be one of two things because Cena was on Raw last time. So he was either embarrassed by Kurt Angle's actions and therefore chose SmackDown over Raw. Angle says that at Survivor Series, he's going to break Shane's ankle because he's going to start the match with Shane. And if Shane has any balls, he'll start the match with him. And Stephanie laughs this off saying this isn't the 90s anymore. And thinks Kurt is just too soft now. And he made a mistake. She made a mistake going with Kurt as captain. 
Shane is trying to ruin the show their father created and wants her brother's head on a platter and goes to fire Kurt when the Shield's music plays. So just discussing this opening interaction between Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon. I mean, this to me was uh, Kurt Angle just being browbeaten for 10 minutes solid here. You felt bad for this guy somewhat. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, but you can count on stuff for that. I, I think it's what she does best for better or worse. Um, but here, I mean, there was a point to it all, you know, like you. This you was a want, larger story that was going to be told out throughout the show. You're right. Yeah. Steph is out here to poke and prod at all the baby faces so that the audience will really want to see the baby faces prove her wrong. Seth and Dean appear in the crowd, and then Roman Reigns joins them. He is back, and they get into the ring, and Stephanie just responds to the crowd by saying, get it together. Are you cheering for the Shield or not? Dean says there's no better leader than Kurt. He's our guy. He proved it at TLC, and then she mocks them for losing the tag titles, and this was where I think that it's one thing to be doing this with Kurt, it was quite another for your hot shield act to be talking them down. And this is where Roman Reigns took the microphone and asks where the hell Stephanie's been. She got put through a table by her husband at WrestleMania and has been gone for six months. Reigns tells Stephanie they that she doesn't tell them what to do. They want to fight the New Day at Survivor Series, and Kurt's going to lead Team Raw. And that ended this. And this was Roman uh, kind of just shutting down Stephanie. Sure. Yeah. So that was yeah, that. I, and we set up our new day match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that, Roman came out and made the match, and uh, that was it. It's, I guess with a week to go, you can't really do much else. They're pretty direct with it. And just like that, they announced that the Shields reunion—it's not going to be happening at Survivor Series. It's happening tonight. They will team up to take on Miz, Sheamus, and Cesaro. Did you like yeah, this idea that, of giving the Shields first match together away tonight as opposed no. to just waiting? No, I did not. Um, I I think the intent, sure, is to, you know, drive interest towards Sunday. I feel like after watching that match, my interest was not heightened. If anything, it was lessened because I, I saw their big spots. I saw them come out and the official billing of their first match has now taken place and it feels less special taking place on Sunday. First match of the show was Bailey, Mickey James, and Dana Brooke in a three-way, with the winner being the final member of the Raw women's team for the Survivor Series. The rest of the team was ringside. Bailey got knocked down to the floor. Through the commercial break they went, Mickey hit a Fez press off the top and a reverse neck breaker to Bailey. Then Dana gets knocked down, rolls to the floor. Asuka goes to check on her, and then Dana attacks Asuka, so Asuka chases Dana and takes her out with a spin kick and eliminates her from the match, essentially. Bailey then blocked an implant DDT and hit the Bailey to belly, pinning Mickey. And thus, Bailey is the final member of the team. And all five women got in the ring, arm in arm, to pose together. Mm-hmm. What a well, yeah, I mean, this was with Asuka, just uh, linking arms with her besties here. This is Team Raw. Yeah, I mean, they're all friends, but... Naya did show a bit of slight redu- reluctance. Um, yeah, you know, I think what was 
kind of expected coming off of last week was maybe a bit of a tease of there being some jealousy between Bailey and Sasha. But uh, Bailey made the team and quickly Sasha came in and hugged her. So any teasing of any jealousy or dissent between the two, I think, is is thrown out. Um, or could I come really, out of the match if one of them survives and the other doesn't. Could, could continue. But we've seen so many, like, it's always lingering, you know? You know it's always lingering. So maybe, yeah, maybe we could see that at any time. I, I, I think doing the spot with Asuka attacking Dana um, really kind of gave you that, you know, like made a, oh, no, she didn't <laughs> uh, kind of moment with Dana. And I think it helped make Asuka look like a badass. So she seems to be getting some focus as well as Bailey. Um, being the principal characters to focus on, at least for, for the Raw team in that match. This was when Michael Cole reminds us that Survivor Series starts at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. 2 o'clock in the afternoon if you are on the West Coast. Yeah, the kickoff is two hours long. So 5, that means for me, it'll be... 7 a.m. Okay, I guess that's... Not that bad. Wait a second, though. Yeah, 7 a.m. I guess it's not that bad. It aligns with my schedule. But Are you going to watch Survivor Series? I don't think I'll watch the whole show, but I think I'll watch the, the, the important matches. So so anyway, we'll talk about it at the end of, this, of the show. Enzo and Drew Gulak came out, and this is where they announced the lone match they have announced for the kickoff show is the Enzo-Drew Gulak title match, which... I guess given they're doing two hours, what I could see being added to the kickoff way is a Survivor Series match involving the cruiserweights. That could eat a lot why? of time on the kickoff. Like show. why? 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 Why do you need to do a two-hour kickoff? You don't just to just you to have a match like that. It's now just it's the formula. It's what they're going to do for all of the big four. It's six-hour shows, whether they need okay. to or not. You're completely right. They don't need to, but I think that's what they're going to continue to do. And now they've just got to fill time. So it's a long right. day on Sunday. Enzo does his promo. He goes, how are you doing? And Gulak responds, I am doing great. Enzo then talked about having deep pockets while Kalisto has short pockets. He says, like NBA shorts, no pockets. This was met with silence. And Gulak then goes to speak and Kalisto interrupts. Gulak continues to be... Uh, I just love watching this guy play off of Enzo. I think it just continues to... Uh, their chemistry just continues to grow for me. I think he's a good addition. I think he's certainly been somebody who um, who has gained traction and has, I guess, kind of improved his character over the weeks as opposed to many of the cruiserweights that, that, that he started with who have just been kind of left behind and undeveloped. Um, Gulak, though, I felt like on this particular instance, none of the things he really said were connecting. A lot of this stuff I felt was flat. Um, but that doesn't mean like, you know, the potential isn't there for, for their chemistry to, to improve as the weeks ahead, uh, as the weeks you're progress. You're so negative. You're just so negative. No, I am. Yeah. Enzo and Drew Gulak took on Kalisto and Akira Tozawa. They quickly went to a break. They returned. Gulak was in control of Tozawa after nailing him from behind with a flying knee. Kalisto comes in, hit a springboard cross body to Enzo. Then Gulak ran into Enzo by mistake. And Tozawa dove through the legs of Kalisto to the floor with a suicide dive. Kalisto then followed with a springboard somersault dive to Gulak on the floor. 
Tozawa then dropped Enzo with a kick from the apron. He climbed to the top when Gulak pulled Enzo to the floor. Kalisto took out Gulak with a flip off the steps, and then Enzo tossed Tozawa into Kalisto, knocking him off the apron, and followed with the Jordenzo to pin Tozawa. Uh, turned into a pretty good tag match. I enjoyed Kalisto and Tozawa together uh, as a tag team, and Graves pointed out that Enzo didn't have to cheat to win this match, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I we we know the cruiserweights can always deliver in ring. I think the difference with a match like this, which I also agree with you, was was very satisfying, had good action. The difference is the crowd reactions, and you can really, you know, you can't really argue that the addition of Benzo has really helped the crowd care about these matches. So I think they're kind of at least, you know, hmm. They're at least at a stage now where they don't have to – they're at least like getting some reaction and they're, the crowd isn't just kind of sitting on their hands. But now they need to actually try to add some depth to these storylines. I think all the action's great, but I just don't sense that much heated hatred between the characters uh, in this feud. Yeah, and I also feel if this 205 Live division is – going to continue in this incarnation i think it does help that they put the cruiserweight match of the week early in the show as opposed to late i think people are more receptive to just the the style of the cruiserweights in hour one as opposed to deep in hour three where they're burned Mm. out and it's just a match so i think they benefited from that here from this atlanta crowd then we had our favorite line formation of the men's team just all in a straight line together with the most unnatural conversation uh, set up here with Kurt Angle, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and Jason Jordan. Kurt says that Joe and Balor have to team up tonight after tearing each other apart last week. Why? Well, we don't know. He's going to prove that he isn't playing favorites and Jordan must face Bray Wyatt tonight, who is back. Strowman then immediately says he wants Kane. So Angle agrees they're going to be the main event, and Strowman ends it by saying, oh, it's true. It's damn true. As we set up our matches for tonight, this classic Strowman-Kane match way, it was all building to tonight. Yeah, that that was interesting that they gave so much away on this go-home show, but we'll talk about that later. I, I thought Braun was scripted pretty funny here to just, uh, you know, Angle go, goes in order, and then Braun just has the line, I want Kane. So he's kind of like he's being portrayed as the Hulk. Like I think that's the character. He's just a guy who just like kind of he's like a big giant strong child. He's uh he's Lou Ferrigno. Well, um, I would I would have referenced. I would have referenced the the, the the movie that's actually number one at the box office at the moment, but no, I'm gonna go okay. for the old one. If he had Cesaro's mouth guard, he'd sound like Luke Ferrigno. Hmm. The Miz yes. is out for Miz TV with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Miz refers to Baron Corbin as the resident internet tough guy, and he says that he's gonna face Corbin on Sunday unless he squanders his chance and loses the title to, to Sin Cara tomorrow night. And then Miz says he wasn't even good enough to be the bathroom break last week on SmackDown. Corbin wasn't even on the show. Miz doesn't squander opportunities like Corbin. He has a chance to get a monumental victory over the Shield tonight. Miz did trip over his words, I thought a few times throughout this promo, which is unlike him. 
He brought out Cesaro and Sheamus, and they noted they weren't distracted by the New Day last week. And then Cesaro's given the microphone as he continues to cut promos with the mouth guard that I guess they're just enjoying Cesaro having to do this. And I, I, I still enjoy it. I mean, maybe I'm very particular, but I, I, I just I, I think of the alternative, and that's Cesaro simply just cutting promos. And they're not very spectacular. They're not even memorable. I would say, for me at least, I think with the mouth guard, at least he leaves an impression. And I think it makes him far more hateable. Whether or not, you know, it's eh. – I, I, to me, I just think it's better than the alternative. It sounds like he's just downed like peanut butter or something and he's trying to talk. Like it's just – I can't yeah. even pay attention to what he's saying. It just – it sounds so stupid. Well – I mean, uh, to, to me, I just don't think he's a very good promo. And not to say this is the solution that I think I want forever, but until he can really show me that he can cut an incredible promo, I I, I don't hate the mouth guard thing as a heel act. I don't. What if I did the rest of the show with my mouth guard on? Okay, go. Go for it. It's too far. Seamus calls SmackDown a cute little B-show. This B-show term was brought up about a million times on this show to describe SmackDown. Uh, the crowd was chanting at Seamus. Miz tells them to all shut up. They are the flagship show's champions. And then Cesaro says, If the writers we are going to jailbreak. The, I can't even do this. He had to say this Pretty whole good. line at the end about jailbreaking the Usos penitentiary uh, with his garbled up voice. Miz says it isn't the Shields moment, and their happy reunion tour ends tonight. Yeah, these guys all got a really good heel reaction. Uh, this crowd was very supportive uh, of them as a heel group. But I think it is so clear that the Corbin match is such an afterthought. I mean, this month, the Miz's main feud has been with the Shield. You feel no animosity between Corbin and The Miz because you never see them on screen together. And aside from like his opening paragraphs at the start of Miz TV every week, you don't even feel like The Miz is giving all that much thought to Baron Corbin and vice versa. And it's just the match no one wants to see. Yes. uh, Like you can do these matches where it's two people that are not going to interact on TV, but you can at least look at the end result that ah, it's, a, it's an interesting match. It's something different. Yeah. There's no interest in this match at all. I don't think that they're going to flip the title onto Sin Cara, but this is just a cold match to me, and I don't have very high expectations for it on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I feel like they've done a good job building the five-on-fives. Uh, the World Championship match, I think, is a legitimately hot match right now. But I would say for the next year, do we really need to have the tag team champions face each other? Do we really need to have the 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 IC and the US champion face each other? To me, it's just like you're forcing one of them to lose. It'll sort of devalue that belt further than it already is. And otherwise, they're just kind of giving us a match that is not all that attractive. Yeah, I think it really depends on the people. If they're interesting matches, like to me, the titles don't mean anything. It's more or less... If people have interest in it, like as you have pointed out, and I echo the same, like Alexa Bliss and Natalia, it's it's a match. It's just a mm. match. It, it to me doesn't mean much to anyone. And given the fact that you've flipped people back and forth so much, 
it's not as though this is the first time you're seeing even the interaction of some of these people since the draft took place. They're just, I mean, Natalia and Alexa Bliss were on the same brand a year ago. These aren't kind of, they don't even, Brock and AJ feel special. That feels like yeah. a very special match that is happening I would say, for the first time. I would say if Alexa fought Charlotte, that would feel special as well to me. Less Which I so think than is probably obviously what Brock it's and be. AJ. I think yeah. there's a very good chance that that's the match on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then we had the big accepting of the Shields challenge. The New Day tweeted and accepted the challenge with Big E tweeting out, suffering succotash as he accepted. So that is our match, the six man on Sunday. Then we got a Twitter video of 40-year-old John Cena squatting 507 pounds as he prepares for Sunday. And then Bray Wyatt made his long-awaited return. What a what a reintroduction of this character, way. He just walked out. He didn't even finish his walk to the ring and I was tired of this guy again. Yeah, I mean, he no fanfare at all for for his return. He he's in a position right now where he has no role on the pay-per-view. He's just the guy that's waiting around. Did you I mean, I I suppose you know, we knew this was a character that was in trouble, and perhaps this break was going to be a way for him to refresh and rebrand. But uh, we didn't get that, and eh, that's that's fine. <laughs> maybe you know he'll just be a, a maybe. Maybe he's like worked up this like brand new promo style that that we're just waiting to see. I've been waiting for four years. What's another month? You know, in 1994 at the Royal Rumble, they put Bret Hart and Lex Luger over at the end. And it was kind of, let's see who's more popular. This match felt like, let's see who's hated less to our audience between these two characters that are mm. have been re- relatively failures at this point in time. So Jordan comes out. This crowd just hates Jason Jordan. Mm-hmm. Which may turn out to be, I mean, it just seems so heavy-handed now with Jason Jordan that a turn is coming. So I feel more optimistic for where Jason Jordan is going as opposed to Bray Wyatt, who I, I don't see that light at the end of the tunnel for him. Jordan started off suplexing Bray. Bray then gets out of the way as Jordan runs at him on the floor into the barricade. We went through the commercial. Bray is working on the knee of Jordan, landed at Centon. Bray hangs upside down, and the crowd is getting behind Bray Wyatt. Jordan is limping as he fights back, turns the sister Abigail into a roll-up, catching Wyatt, and pins him. We cut to the back where we got uh, Academy Award nominee Kurt Angle with his reaction to this match, with this goofy look as he's watching with Stephanie. Then Bray attacks him after the match. The crowd cheers this. They're chanting, thank you, Wyatt, and then wraps the leg of Jordan around the post. We cut back to Kurt, who now has to play shocked and concerned. And th- he just looks so ridiculous with these, like, over-the-top facial reactions to this. And he leaves Stephanie to go check on Jordan. Anyway, mm. this yeah. this just seems to – this show kind of felt like the 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 murder of the Jason Jordan babyface character. Like, by the end of this, there's only one thing to do with this guy, and that is to turn him. I mean, yeah, I think you could have said that from the first week he debuted. But 
I don't know if it was – I don't know if they're intentionally trying to kill his babyface character. I certainly do, yes, sense a, a turn in the works. But I feel like Jordan and the the WWE did a good job promoting him as a babyface. It's just that he's he's working so hard uphill because the fans already don't like him. They they from the get go, you're you're presenting him in a role that is incredibly insincere, and the audience just knows that they're being lied to. And how can you like somebody? When you know they're lying to you. On top of that, he's just a painfully vanilla baby face and he's got zero cool factor. But like that said, I feel like his wrestling's good. And I think his acting in the segment coming up was really good. Maybe the best of, of his run so far. Um, but unfortunately, it's just this audience is has made up their mind. Well, and I think it's it's a reaction they want at this point. Like this was just to me so especially on this show, but it's been building just so over the top. I mean, he's playing that character when Kurt was first introduced doing those classic babyface vignettes that were just so, I mean, they were designed for a heel reaction. He was just like this over. What do you mean? Remember when they first how? introduced him and he well, was just, but how, no, but I mean, how's Jordan being over the top? Like this, this stuff with his dad, with the, everything he does. It's just it's so I don't even know what the uh, the word is to describe it like this. Is I don't not, know. I don't know. if I don't know. if over He's the top, so like, hokey. He's so overly hokey as a baby I, face to me. I, I don't necessarily see it. See him act. See his acting like in the segment coming up. He felt to me like he was actually seemed like like a desperate person. Uh, and I didn't think it was sarcastic. If that's what you're trying to say. Well, after the break, Jordan's knee is being iced, and Angle doesn't think he can compete on Sunday. Jordan is pleading that he can fight through this injury just like Kurt did. Angle says he needs him to be at 100%, not 90%. Jordan says, this is my big break. Don't take it away from me. And it ends with him saying, Dad? And it ends with a shot of torn Kurt Angle as we cut away. He's got a big decision to make. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we went to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out, and they showed the highlight of AJ Styles winning the title from Jinder Mahal. The crowd is chanting Suplex City with AJ Styles back and forth. Heyman goes over Man. this the selling you, like, features you, for the Survivor Series. You, like without even saying a word, this crowd was already anticipating this match. You know you've got a hot main event when you don't even have to say one single word, and the fans are already completely into it. So Heyman's job, <laughs> compared to Jinder Mahal, just got a whole lot easier. Just, you know, these fans already want this match. It was just painfully obvious during this segment that whether the plan is to get the title back to Jinder or not, this is the time you call that audible. Like, it's just, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. Like the, you know, this match is going to be tremendous on Sunday. You know that mm-hmm. AJ is going to be super over coming out of Sunday. I would just be going with this guy. I just, I agree. Jinder Jinder Mahal is going to be he's going to get the exact same reaction going to India next month with the title as opposed to without the title. He's going to be a hero going there to India in December. I don't think having the title is going to make any kind of a difference, to be honest. 
Well, I know that they're probably going to at least do the rematch with AJ. Um, yeah, they, that'll probably be the pay-per-view next month, which, again, it's going to be four weeks of a match that you're not going to care about going into it. Right, but the question is, you know, is AJ better chasing, or do you have him with the belt as the defending champion? Well, then he'd have to drop it before the December pay-per-view. Meaning uh, after the fact. Let's say he drops it to Jinder so that you can tell the chase story heading into WrestleMania. Uh, I'm just trying to think like uh, of the way they might be handling it because I wouldn't completely discount them putting the belt back on onto Jinder for that you're, reason. You're outlining four months of AJ Styles feuding with Jinder Mahal, and that doesn't sound very appealing yeah. to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not interested yeah, in any sure. Jinder Mahal feuds at this point. Like, to, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this guy is like a U.S. title level performer, tops. It's like, yeah, I we, agree. We, we we pushed this guy to the moon. There's just there's a limitation on where this guy is at, and mm-hmm. is our entire show going to be built around this guy, or can he have a fine middle of the card heel role where the pressure will be a lot less, and the guy can probably improve a lot more at a reduced level than this one, where we're throwing him into a main event with Brock Lesnar that people could not care about. What what good is that doing him? This people were relieved when this match that, that match could not have been colder. And that's mm-hmm. not helping this guy in any way. I think he's he's tremendously uh, improved from a, a year ago. He certainly has a poise to him. I think the Singh brothers complement him very well. There's a role for this guy. But it is not as your number one heel on SmackDown. Like, imagine him on Raw. Where would he be slotted in on Raw? He'd be so far down the depth chart in terms of where he would be at. Like, just compare him to The Miz, for instance. Which oh, guy, which guy would you rather have in a prominent heel position on Raw? Yeah, no doubt. These are these are not complaints. Or these are not uh, – you won't get any complaint from me. Heyman then outlines all the different selling features, clearly not paying attention to the quarterly reports where just nobody adds the wwe network during this time of the year at least not as many as cancel it so we don't have to go over all these potential subscribers that are out there he says not to miss it on sunday he puts over lesnar and styles says that styles has he puts over his offense and defense and that speed kills which is something styles has taken from the ufc and boxing then the crowd starts chanting, she said yes, and it took Paul a minute, took everyone a minute, I think, to realize what was going on here. A guy proposed to his girlfriend, and instead of doing it during the fucking Bray Wyatt match, he chose to do it here during Heyman's speaking segment, and Heyman cut a promo saying the only reason the woman said yes was because she's never been up close with someone like Brock Lesnar and that interrupting his promo is like stepping in the ring with Lesnar. You ain't got no chance. And Heyman just immediately reverted back to his promo. Masterful. What a pro. Masterful. He throws the attention back onto the topic at hand, always focused, and just showed the world how to handle any interruption from a crowd. Um, it made for a great live TV moment seeing Heyman do this, and it kind of it became the organic highlight of this segment. I could barely even make out the chant. I mean, just the fact that 
uh, he connected the dots so quickly to what was happening. I mean, mm-hmm. I had no idea what uh, – even if you were hearing that chant, would you automatically uh, know where this couple is seated in the arena? I mean, it was just very quick that he acted upon all of this. Yes, he is. He's a very quick person. Paul Heyman's a good promo. That's our lesson from this show. Mm-hmm. He says that AJ's the ultimate opponent for Lesnar. He says Styles is on a roll, and no one has more momentum. No one has more momentum than the guy that just lost to Finn Balor at the last pay-per-view. He says Lesnar is the number one champion in the WWE and calls this the ultimate Rocky movie, but this isn't a Rocky movie. This is the Survivor Series, and Styles cannot survive Suplex City or the onslaught of Brock Lesnar or the F5. The promo ends, and then, in quite the departure from his character, Lesnar goes to the floor and starts shaking hands with children as he goes to the back while maintaining the stoic look on his face. Mm -hmm. There's a screen grab to take from this show. It's Brock Lesnar with the look on his face as he's shaking hands with these children in the front row. The only negative I could really find with all this is that perhaps that we've only had one week and one promo from Paul Heyman to really sell and digest this whole thing. Like if this thing had, you know, this match between AJ and Brock had, let's say, three months build, I think it would be even so much bigger. But, you know, on the other hand, perhaps we've seen maybe not having so much build can be a blessing. Look at TLC last month. I mean, it was all those last-minute changes that gave that show excitement. Um, I I know what you mean. Like, this could have been a really well-produced build-up to this match. I also – I say that knowing in my head all these different things you could do, and sometimes when they have a lot of time, that turns into a bad thing. Yeah. So I'll take this. It's a match that sells itself. It's a – First time match between these two, and I think just the fact these two are having a singles match and are probably going to have – how long do you think this match is going to be? Hmm. I'm going to say – When was the last time you've seen a full-out Brock match? I mean there was the four-way yeah. at SummerSlam, which I mean it wasn't all on him, but a, a full-out singles match from Brock. It's been quite some time. Yeah, I'm going to go maybe 12 maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but probably that's around that. Do you, do you think a main event? I feel the men's match is going to go on last. I think so, too. That seems to be the show, the match that's been focused on the most. This is kind of, uh, you know, like in theory, your champion versus champion, nothing should be bigger than that. But with the amount of importance they seem to – like the amount of airtime they've, they've given to the to the five-on-five, five, I, I do see that ending the show. And given who's in it as well. Um, yes yes and that match is probably going to be like a 45 minute match so Mm -hmm. i can definitely see that one being the closer the miz cesaro and sheamus took on the reformed shield Corey reminds us that the main thing is to build momentum for sunday the shield starts working on cesaro and then the announcers got into this ridiculous argument booker t brought up the fact that the survivor series started in 1987 and in explaining this he tried to tie it into Raw versus SmackDown, and then Cole pointed out Raw didn't even start until 93, and SmackDown didn't begin until 99. 
So Booker is trying to explain that the Survivor Series itself started in 1987. Corey chimes in that in 1987, he was three years old. Booker tells Corey to learn his history, and they were just all on different pages here, and this was just Mm -hmm. a cacophony of chaos. Yeah, I think we all, like, I I think I understand (laughs) Booker's point, but he's just not eloquent at all. And... (laughs) I feel like that's a skill you kind of kind of need if you're going to be a commentator. Like, I don't see Booker T pulling off what Paul Haven pulled off in the previous segment if he were met with a "she said yes" chant in the middle of of a promo. Um, and I guess with this commentary team, they're kind of like being told to jump on him rather than being supportive, which I think traditionally is what you'd want in a good broadcast, but. WWE's weird, you know. I think Vince really gets a kick out of making fun of people if they sound like they're idiots. And Booker, you know, he's unintentionally funny. And I'm sure he's somebody who provides constant material for um, Botchamania. At one point, he calls Roman Reigns in this match one mean Somalian. Who did he call that? Roman. One mean Somalian. Somalian. <laughs> okay, so he's uh, he's now hailing from Somalia. Okay, great. That's a a unique stat that we were not aware of uh, prior to all of this. Anyway, the crowd uh, they got the heat on Rollins for a long time, and they made a legitimate hot tag to Roman Reigns. And this crowd was behind Roman as he fired up. He called for the Superman punch. They cheered. Miz then grabbed him from the floor, and Ambrose took out Miz with a dive. Cesaro's in. He uh, catches Reigns off guard, pop up into an uppercut, and then Ambrose is pulling Sheamus off the apron to avoid the tag. Rollins dives to the floor. Reigns is able to block a neutralizer. Cesaro then comes off the middle rope and spins into a Superman punch from Reigns. Miz blind tags in, and then we had everyone involved. There was a springboard knee to Miz, dirty deeds to Sheamus, All three S.H.I.E.L.D. members are left with Miz alone in the ring. He turns around, is speared by Roman, triple powerbomb, and Reigns pins Miz clean. Um, I thought if there was something to take away from this match, it was just that, man, the S.H.I.E.L.D. has given Roman Reigns um, heel repellent. He is just... Certainly. He's loved by the... I won't say loved. I mean, this wasn't, you know, Dusty Rhodes in Atlanta. But this was just... uh, there was no negativity towards Roman Reigns yeah. at all in this. They got behind I mean, all his key spots, the hot tag, and that was the story of this match for me. I kind of go back to the analogy of, you know, like, mm, I think Axel Rose would be a lot more, he would sell a lot more tickets if he was at a reunited Guns N' Roses concert rather than, you know, being built as a single person. Um, and, you know, it's the shield as an entity is still fresh and still very, uh, very attractive. The match, though, at least here, I was a little underwhelmed. I thought the finish was really hot with the power bomb and everything. But the rest of the match, I just thought was kind of there for the most part. I feel like I enjoyed the matches more when it was just Ambrose and Rollins. But that might just be due to them kind of needing a bit more time back together to work out the chemistry between the three of them because you have like 
Rollins and Ambrose who have really figured out their style and they're excellent at it, doing really fast work. Roman, his style doesn't necessarily fit in as well. And I know that like they were in a really good pattern probably in the past. I also feel like the match on Sunday will be really good too. Um, but I, I think the match is going to be great on Sunday. I think with those six, um, yeah, I, I think but it's this match, really good. But this match I was a little underwhelmed by. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy about them putting them on this show. I also realized that it's flu season, and maybe they just thought, fuck it, let's just get this reunion out there because we don't know who's going to be around on Sunday. They're, they're really kind of like, over the past several weeks, they've, they've just been, I feel like they've they've developed a new mentality where they're just not holding back, you know? Let's give out Kurt Angle. Let's give out, you know, uh, uh, the Shield reunion right away. Let's let's put uh, AJ with Brock. Whatever. AJ with Brock. Changes. Yeah, they're just six like, months. Fuck it, titles off them. Nope, they're just like they're looking towards the next month. How do we get these viewers to stick on for the next month? And it's exciting. It it kind of makes every every show a bit more, um, you know, uh, interesting. Let's see how long they can keep it up. They recapped. Braun being put in the garbage truck at TLC, and we cut to Kane. And this this brought out the the Bludgeon Brothers of me, as I needed to tra- transcribe this for you, way. Yes, thank you. I can still remember the sound of the garbage truck crushing his body. A true symphony of horrors. <laughs> and tonight, I'm going to show Braun Strowman that there are worse things in life than death. That's me. I would vote See, for this guy if I lived in Knox County. Oh my! Imagine if he like <laughs> cut a promo in this fashion, like with a red backdrop, like about his policies as mayor. Like I'm going to send Knox County's debt to hell. Or, just or just like, the closing scene of Raw tonight. Could you imagine him using that in an ad to like say that? I tested out my opponent's platform, and it couldn't support anything. <laughs> Dude, I, w- I would move to Knox County and try to become a citizen just to vote for him. Like, uh, okay, uh, but seriously, like, of all the people, all the, the Bray Wyatts, the Bludgeon Brothers, of all the people that cut this style of promo, King gets away with it the best because I think with him, you've established this really over-the-top, campy character who who's had a history of just ridiculous things and you know, like, when he appears on screen, he's going to cut these promos. Um, and he's, part of you kind of wants to laugh at them. Um, All I don't, wants to I laugh cer- at them. Well, I certainly, don't, I certainly don't think they're scary. But unfortunately, with people like Bray and pe- people like the Bludgeon Brothers, at least at this point, you feel like they're trying to be serious. And it's just tough for a grown man to to say any of this language seriously you know like it's hard to do in a pro wrestling setting i think you can get away with it maybe like in a in in film in drama but in pro wrestling you just got to kind of run with the camp and and i think kane does it well does it really well this this was the segment for me i mean i was watching raw tonight and my wife was working on her laptop on the couch and his promo's playing and i'm just thinking to myself like what the what what does my wife think of me <laughs> where I am? I am watching this particular promo. Yeah. I am transcribing this promo and then I'm going to get on Skype with another human being and dissect what this man is saying. Well, 
Yeah, well, she's stuck now. Before I could argue it was my job. Now I've just got a, a sick. Addiction. I know. She thought that this was your chance to finally leave this stuff. She thought. Yeah. We have a new sponsor, Way Snickers is on board. That meant uh, blow off the dust from the VHS tape of Raw in 2004 for Trish versus Lita, where Lita won the title. Uh, okay. Relevant? Of course. Look, why, why, why not, why not show a Kurt Angle thing? Kurt I, versus Shane. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Something that's logical. I mean, it's not like this had any connection to Snickers. Hmm. Trying to, let me think of that. Trish and Lita. Um, what Snickers? Let's dissect Snickers. Peanuts? Creamy nougat? It was also Nuggets. brought up during the Mickey James match how she beat Lita at the Survivor Series in 2006, which was Lita's uh, quote-unquote send-off match, which is one match that I'm just waiting for some advertiser or some outlet just to go back and watch that match and wonder what, why did hey, that WWE w- get such a pass for something like this? That, that would have fit perfectly with the Snickers. Any junk food brand thing. The Piggy James angle? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, that was something else. That was something else. Was I'm talking stalker. about where Crime Time comes out and Lita's send-off was uh, going through her her gear, uh, throwing tampons at her. I can't remember the specifics of such a segment because, shockingly, mm-hmm. I have never rewatched this and was just horrified that night, and it still remains in my mind. This was also two months after you gave... Uh, such a glowing send-off for Trish Stratus. Lita not provided such a goodbye in 2006. Mm. Kurt Angle's in the ring. He says this is the toughest decision he's ever made in his career. He says Jordan was injured against Bray Wyatt and can't allow him to compete this Sunday, and he has a replacement. Jordan is out. He's nearly in tears, and he tells Kurt not to do this. Don't take this away from me. He's worked his entire life for this moment. He says he will be fine by Sunday. He says Kurt was injured and he won a gold medal. He's just like Kurt and says Kurt didn't pick him for favoritism, but because he was the best. Don't take this from me. And he won't get another chance like this. So I thought Kurt was just going to sit back and offer him the ins and outs of using uh, using maybe a pain relief, shoot himself up with cortisone for the Survivor Series. Kurt's about to back down as he's moved by Jordan's speech, when Stephanie comes out and she wants Kurt to replace him. She walks to the back and Kurt remains silent and then Triple H's music plays. Triple H storms down to the ring and he announces he is the fifth member and he turns around and he delivers a pedigree to Jason Jordan, stood on top of Jordan, unzipped his fly and pissed all over Jason Jordan and said, fuck you, I'm Triple H. No, I couldn't believe when he did that on live TV, live television, swept it out. Yep. Well, um, as I said earlier, I thought Jordan was really good here at playing desperate. I feel like if this crowd didn't already make up its mind that he was full of shit, I think he would have come across a lot better just based on his performance alone. Um, I love the announcement of Triple H coming out, you have to, again, kind of overlook any semblance of real team allegiance. Like, 
Does he have any loyalty to Raw? What, what's what's his what's his attachment? Oh, his wife is, is his wife is the storyline uh, commissioner. Okay, so and what about him? It's natural he would be aligned with Stephanie on her show. Sure. Okay, I could buy that. I, um, I think that's completely plausible having that connection on Raw. That's fine. That's fine. He's doing it for his wife. Okay, I buy it. Um, uh, so you know my my only issue with the segment was. I really didn't think that pedigree was necessary. I thought it made Hunter look really cool. Yeah, it popped the crowd, sure. But I feel like it reduced Jordan to just a punchline at this at the end of this whole thing, which I think took away from all the good work they put into him over the course of this entire episode. It also took away his focus from who Jordan should really be getting revenge at, and that's Bray Wyatt. Your lasting impression is of Jordan being laid out due to Triple H, and you're you know, now at this point, he, him trying to go for revenge against Bray, you're kind of left wondering, well, why aren't you attacking Triple H as well? I get the urge to pop the crowd with the pedigree, yes, but I think if your big project is Jordan, this didn't really benefit anybody that much. I think Jordan could have just, you know, looked disappointed and upset and then went to the back. And you leave the audience sensing a potential heel turn while maintaining Jason Jordan as a potential threat. I feel like you lost that here. You also kind of made Kurt look like a total bitch standing by while his son got attacked. So with one pedigree, he just kind of killed them both in my eyes. Yeah, I, I had a few thoughts on on this. I don't think Jordan is going to come out of this. I mean, even with the turn, you know he's never getting his revenge on Hunter. I think you can throw of that out the not. window. He won't. No, it, this I, wasn't meant for that. This was just like a exclamation mark like, um, hey, the king is back. Okay, now, he's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kurt just standing there as his son is laid out. Now that, I feel, is planting the seeds for this Hunter-Kurt program, which if you're on board for that, I can understand how this is starting that. There's There was some reason to this. Uh, I think there's many directions you can go. Um, Kurt and Hunter... See, have, hold on a second, though. If he was going to, to uh if this was any type of setup for Kurt versus Hunter, I think Kurt should have looked a lot more angry. He just stood by. Like he looked super like for 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 he came all off like bad on this show. He came off bad yeah. to Stephanie and then to Hunter here. But I, there, I would say there is bosses, but you don't want to see a baby what? face so what? power uh, like, to them. Hold on and a that's second. That's what though. he did. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. If you're trying to promote a guy as a hero Okay, like I'm throwing any if a boss laid hands on my son, I'm I'm through with any of that other stuff, you know, like forget my job like this. You know, I feel like he needed to be a lot more angry if that was the intent. It's also I mean, I think for Jason Jordan, the best outcome for him is that Hunter takes him under his wing, which is still. That subservient role. I think that's the best Jordan can get out of any of this. Hey, maybe um, it's revealed that he's actually Triple H's son from another marriage. Oh, man. From another, or from another woman. I think Hunter's smart enough to not get himself involved in an angle like that. Literally. Um, but as well, if this is all building to Hunter and Kurt, you also have to wonder, like, what is what is the payoff to that other than, like, say, that a match? WrestleMania match? Is that a match people are really hot for? Is this really something that 
maybe not for you and I, because like I feel like we've seen that matchup a lot from Kurt's first run. Maybe to like a new audience, it seems fresh. Maybe like they're both superstars. Yeah, maybe it might be that it might be the the direction they go. Um, mm-hmm. I won't completely dismiss this segment because I think it can be building to many things like this pedigree spot by Hunter. He's done it many times and nine times out of 10, it's unnecessary. And this one may be one of those nine. Uh, but I want to see where this story ultimately goes. Cause I don't think it was done for no reason, uh, with it being Jordan. I, I but do. You're right. Kurt came across like a total coward, uh, to both McMahons on this show. Mm-hmm. And he needs to, I think he has to come out very strong on Sunday and be a big part of that match and get some of his heat back from Hunter here, who was also positioned as the babyface, and Kurt was kind of like Jason Jordan, like this idiot babyface. Mm-hmm. So that was that segment, and now Hunter replaces Jason Jordan. So we have uh, that match is it looks great, you know, a legitimate headliner, Cena on one side, Triple H on another. Shane, it, it feels Shane like a worthy main event. On opposite sides. Mm-hmm. For the first time since Backlash 2009 way, Hunter and Shane will be in a match together. Oh, cool. So look at this. We have Kurt, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Triple H against Shane, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. Yeah. It's great. I mean, so, so that means we're going to see a lot of first-time pairings, like... Nakamura, Triple H, uh, Bobby Roode, and everybody else on the other side. So I think Strowman and Shinsuke Nakamura. That's crazy. That's wild. We followed up that big segment with Samoa Joe and Finn Balor against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. I didn't time this match, but if you told me it went 35 minutes, I might believe you. It went through two commercial breaks here. Balor was getting beaten down forever. Gallows then missed an elbow drop. He made the tag to Joe. Joe drops Anderson, then tags Balor back in immediately after this guy was just pummeled for an hour. Balor then hits a running kick to Gallows off the apron. Uranagi to Anderson by Joe, and then Joe followed up with a tope suicida. Really great combination. And then the coup de gras. Balor pins Anderson, and Joe just leaves to the back, doesn't even acknowledge Balor. I thought they did a very good job of having the teammates that don't get along but have to. Uh and not compromising their character, mainly Joe, uh, who the focus was mm-hmm. on here. But I like these two together as a team. Uh, I just thought this match went very long, but it wasn't a bad match. No, but it was like, yeah, it was a time-filled match. And I, I suppose on a three-hour show where these guys aren't necessarily the focus, you're going to have a few of these. Maybe a part of me was just dis- disappointed that they didn't really recognize any of the connection between Balor and the club, which I feel should be a story, you know, on its own at some point. Uh, but it doesn't look like they have any intention of doing that. Um, I think Joe was just awesome. You know, he immediately leaves after handling his business. And for a guy who has no lines on the show, with a simple action like that at the end of a match, he already said a ton just about his character's mentality heading into Survivor Series. Yeah, Somali and Joe was awesome. Yeah. Charlie is backstage. This was the only appearance by Charlie on this entire show. She had one interview, and it was with Alexa Bliss, who had come all the way to Raw to speak to Charlie. She is asked about her match, uh, the match on Tuesday with Natalia and Charlotte. 
Alexa doesn't care who wins. It's the queen of cats against the queen of dysfunction. And then she says she had no time to prepare for this match. I wonder if she tipped her hand there. Um, oh, she could still mean that she because she, she doesn't she had know weeks to prepare for Natalia. Right, but I suppose if she doesn't know who her opponent is uh, definitively, maybe maybe she didn't prepare at all. Well, that's that's maybe she was just waiting. She says that ever since she left SmackDown, it's been the B show, and now she just DVRs it and never gets around to watching it. So she is your average wrestling fan in 2017. A lot of people do the same for Raw. And she teases that she may show up on Tuesday night in Charlotte. Final match. Oh, first of all, 205 Live. The only thing we are promoting is that it will be a celebration of Kalisto's 30th, 31st birthday. Oh, man. I almost feel like I want to watch that. He's a Scorpio, way. Okay, and? And he's got the same birthday as my brother. Wow. November 14th. How old's your brother? He is turning, uh, I guess maybe he's having his own uh, celebration tomorrow night during 205 Live. He will be 32. You don't, you don't, okay, 32. How old are your brothers? Quick, off the top of your head, how old are your brothers? Mm, 47? Holy and forty six, man. So, so you were a yeah. There's a there's present. a huge gap. Yeah. Uh, well, I like to prefer um the term miracle, miracle <laughs> baby. You were but, a yeah. miracle, a miracle to many people. Way. This main event, I don't know if this was a miracle. Kane and Braun Strowman, they started fighting, and for whatever reason, the bell just never rang. And Corey Graves brought this fact up like five minutes into this, that the match has actually never begun. And I don't know why. Is this referee hmm. an idiot? Did they have to wait for some ruling to be made? I don't know why this didn't officially start, but it didn't. For all the buildup of Kane and getting to this match, this crowd was absolutely silent for this match up until the finish. They went to the floor They fought on the floor. They got weapons involved. There was a table out. They used chair shots on one another. Graves says that a chair shot from Kane to a normal man would cripple him. Strowman avoided a choke slam and then goes for a superplex to the floor. Kane stops that. Braun takes him down with a double axe handle and then lifts up Kane for a running power slam, delivers it, and they crash through the ring and disappear as the show ends. And... I mean, this was certainly uh, an incredibly novel spot when it happened with Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow. The WWF then copied that in 1999. I just feel this has been a spot that we have seen. And what was that the last time they did it? 1999? No, no, no. They have done it since. They have done done it since. Oh. I mean, we've done the superplex spot with the ring breaking a number of times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure that was the. I mean, I, I you know, they they've achieved. I thought great success with the Braun versus Big Show feud with thanks in large part to stunts like this. And I feel like this was probably their way of, um, you know, doing the same for Kane versus Strowman. Um, the timing of it, though, is a little odd because the focus of of the, the, the episode has nothing to do with 
Kane versus Strowman. It's Kane going to Survivor Series. Or sorry, Braun, Braun. going to Survivor Series. Um, and it's so not I like feel- this can play any fact. Like, unless Braun was being taken out of the match because of this, there was no reason this needed to happen on the go-home show. And yeah. if that was your idea, how could you possibly take this guy out of the match after we had just seen him murdered in a garbage truck and now you compare uh, it to this? You won't. This I, I think Braun... I think Braun's in the match. Uh, maybe so I don't it's know why setup. this had to happen then. Well, I'm sure it's to set up some type of interaction with Kane at the pay-per-view. Uh, I just – I would I would have saved the know. match then. Save it for after the, the run-in at Survivor Series to get well, rid they of did. Braun. They, in their minds, I think they did save the match because you oh. didn't get a match here. Yeah, what, a, what, a, what a promise now after, after this reaction to this match. I just don't think anyone wants to see this. I agree. I mean if you can judge by the reaction here. I feel like they – you know, again, they, they – they see somebody in a cane, much like the Big Show, who kind of really doesn't have that much value to give right now, other than to put over somebody like Braun Strowman. And you know, they're they're trying their best. Maybe this particular match, people didn't really connect with it for whatever reason. Maybe Kane is just a character that nobody really cares to see in these big matches anymore. Um, but the timing of this, I, I find interesting. But We'll we'll see. We'll see what they have planned for Kane at Survivor Series. A lot of stuff on Raw. Um, in terms of a go-home show, did this uh, exceed your expectation level? Does it, does it build your interest for Sunday? Um, is this going to make you wake up any earlier than you were planning to on Sunday? Um, I don't know. That's hard to say because I feel on the card alone, I think ultimately that's the most important thing. Is the card attractive? And they built a really attractive card. So to me, they almost didn't really have to do all that much on this show. Like just with AJ versus Brock alone. Okay, I'm waking up at 7 a.m. If, if, uh, they, they, you know, the addition of, of, of Triple H and Cena in that match has elevated that main event match to a really good, uh, yeah, they've done a good job telling that story too. Um, and then you also have, uh, The Shield versus New Day, which I think, you know, a month ago, really should would could have headlined a pay per view on its own. So the those three matches alone, I think you have a really good looking card on paper. So I know there there was a lot of um, speculation that Paige would be back on Monday night. She was not on Raw, and watching this show, I guess the only spot you could have seen her would have been to be the fifth member of Raw. Um, do you expect that Paige is going to be left off until after Survivor Series, or do you think they could do something maybe with her on SmackDown? I think she should be left off. There's really no place for her right now. To have her as a part of any team... The only I opening think... I could see is if Charlotte wins the title and they don't use Natalia to fill that spot that they could throw Paige in there, which, as we've outlined, they are very privy to just doing crazy stuff just to do. And yeah, I, I, guess I have they, no knowledge of this happening. This is a pure just guess on my part, but maybe that's, they're just going to save her until after the pay-per-view. That's fine, yeah. I guess they could do that. Have her win to give her the focus, give her the momentum heading into SmackDown. And then put her on SmackDown. Was that yeah, Was that where she was can. when she left, or was she on Raw? I cannot remember. I don't think she was. Okay, because Del Rio was drafted to. They split those two. Didn't Del Rio go to SmackDown? Yeah, I think so. so. But, I mean, that. That None of that matters. It's yeah. she can show up wherever. The Kane rule. Sure. I mean, she 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 could debut at Survivor Series. Um, yeah, she was drafted to Raw. I don't know. 
All right. Well, oh, last thing. News item mm-hmm. from Monday. Jack yeah. Swagger has signed with Bellator. Way, were you aware of this? Yes, I was. I was made aware during the show, actually. Yes, so he is going to Bellator in the heavyweight division. Are, who's he training with? I do not know who he is training with. I know he had done an interview a couple of months back after he left the company with Chael Sonnen, but I don't know if they actually trained together. Hmm. Um, but he's 35 now. He hasn't wrestled since he left college, which was 2006, where he was at the University of Oklahoma. So, I mean, at that time, I think he easily could have transitioned to MMA. And having that wrestling base, that's not something you're going to lose overnight. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though this guy is starting from scratch. Um, but the Bellator heavyweight division, it's it's not a it's not a rollover division. But I think that. The fact he is fighting for Bellator and Scott Coker, they are going to they are not going to throw him to the wolves right away, mm, which they would right. be smart to do. I don't think this is a game changer kind of signing. I don't think this guy is going to oh be my God. a massive. Of course not. I don't think he's going to have a ton of curiosity when he fights. Dude, there like, will be some. There will be some. But Batista and lastly both do MMA, and neither of those two are game changers. And Swagger, I would put at a level far below those two. So it, it, this is good for Jack Swagger that he's doing something. To me, I see him doing this probably as a way to kind of fulfill a, a personal goal of his uh, and then ultimately as a way to probably elevate his stock as a pro wrestler in the future once he hopefully does well, gets a bit more of a legitimate background behind him. And, you know, I, I, I would also assume that maybe the the demand on the indies probably isn't so high for somebody like Jack Swagger. And so for him to make a move like this kind of makes him a bit more relevant again. Do you think he'll get matched up against Mexican heavyweights? <laughs> uh, Del Rio, that's who I want to see. Do oh, that yeah. match in MMA. He was in talks with Bellator once upon a time. Well, I mean, realistically, I, I, I think Lashley at this point is probably too advanced. For Jack Swagger, but it's something that they could go to. You wouldn't want to put him against Lashley in his no. Like, like he should be fighting a guy with like two pro fights max. In his oh, game. I mean, I mean down the line. Yeah, and I don't know I if mean, Lashley down the, down the line is going to be an option. I mean, Lashley is not a young guy, and his fights are. I mean, he hasn't fought in a while at this point. I no. don't think that's a fight that's realistically like, going to happen. Yeah, even though there'd be that that curiosity to book that fight. I mean, Scott Coker wanted to book Batista. And lastly, back before Strikeforce got purchased by Zufa. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully he takes it slow. Hopefully Bellator serves him up slowly and gradually. And uh, yeah, good for him. I'd be slightly curious to check it out the day after. Maybe he forms a stable with Roy McDonald. Um, the All-American Canadians. The guys who speak with lisps. Those I guess Roy doesn't really have a lisp. But he, really. he's got a funny way of talking. Well, that was uh, that was the big MMA news, I guess, of the day. And Michael Bisping's retiring in in March, and also fighting After, in two weeks. Yeah, that's amazing. This is nuts. Uh, so so wait, what's happening? So this won't be his last match, but the match after could potentially be his last match. It will be, he said. He said he's he's going to fight Kelvin Gastelum because Anderson Silva got flagged for a. Uh, USADA violation. So he's fighting on November 25th against Kelvin Gastelum, which is a really tough fight for him. And oh, yeah. He, he says he's going to turn around and fight March in London, England, and that will be his final fight of his career. I would assume if you're Michael Bisping at this point, 
you know you're done. You you know like your title reign really probably wasn't supposed to happen, but you made it happen. The world made it happen, and you've enjoyed it. You made a ton of money in the process. I think at this point he just wants to collect as many checks as he can before retire. He retires. Well, He's he just made pay. his he made his life changing money for this George St Pierre fight. I think that. Will... And, and how and how much do you think he's getting for this Gaston fight? Stepping in last last minute. I hope a lot. I hope he. Yeah. Because when people don't realize is that when you become a champion and you get the the back end of a pay per view, when you lose that title, you also lose that you you drop. Your money drops. That was a big reason mm-hmm. with, with Luke Rockhold when he lost the title and then he had a long hiatus after. Like that's mentally difficult to go from you're fighting for this amount of money and then you got to yeah. come back. You're still fighting killers. You're still putting I, in all the same work, but you're doing it for less. But so, an instance like this Gaslam fight like kind of really puts him at a position of leverage where he can ask for that money and I could see them giving it to him, well, replacing he's Anderson getting, Silva. He's not getting anywhere near what he just made, but I'm well, sure it's he's not. It's not a pay per view. No, but but I'm, like but, but like well, how much do you think Anderson was making off of that? You know, I think Bisping would at least get that. He should. He should. I mean, he's yeah, totally he's a bigger draw. Him. He's he's arguably a bigger draw than Anderson Silva, um, at this point. And then uh, he's smart to not only promote that, but to promote his next match, which he knows will be his last match, last match, so that he can per- perhaps make equal money for that that retirement match as well. There's part of me that wants him to have that third fight with Luke Rockhold. I'd love those two to have a third fight. Who do you think he will have uh, his retirement match against? There's going to be no shortage of volunteers for that fight. Everyone's going to want to fight Michael Bisping in London. Um, At that middleweight division, I mean, you have to be looking at those top five or six guys. So you're looking at... What, even for a retirement match? I feel like the retirement match has nothing to do with the rankings. It should just be like... Like just just a fun, you know, who dream dream opponent for him. Yeah, but I don't know if those really like if you're looking at the middleweight division. I mean, I don't know if they're like had it not happened last year. I mean, doing the Dan Henderson rematch that would have been a way to go out. But you did that mm-hmm. rematch, and Dan's now retired. That was his retirement match. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at like to me, Luke Rockhold. I'd like to see that third fight happen again just because it's a great story. Maybe you're not going to get the Cinderella ending for Michael Bisping's career, but I don't think that's a guarantee against any of these guys. And then mm-hmm. outside of Rockhold, you're looking at Yoel Romero, which is not a fun night. Um, mm-hmm. Although that's a fight, Bisping, the later that fight goes, you may favor Yoel Romero if he were to tire in a five-round fight, which that would almost certainly have to be the main event. And then we go down, you know, Uriah Hall, Vitor Belfort. The Vitor Belfort rematch, I'm sure Bisping would want against a clean Vitor Belfort. That would be a hell of a way to go out. Mm-hmm. Avenging that Interesting. Boss. Interesting. So you'll have some options there. All right. That is going to bring our show to a close. We are going to be back late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning for Way, but late Tuesday night for our North American listeners. Is that correct, Way? That is correct. Yes. All right. So we will be back. We're going to have a review of SmackDown. Uh, I am going to watch the new 24 that the WWE Network was airing Monday night on Bill Goldberg. So I'll quickly review that. And then we'll quickly go through Survivor Series weekend. We've got TakeOver going down Saturday night. We've got Survivor Series for 85 hours on Sunday night. And we're going to do a 
fight-by-fight, stat-by-stat breakdown of the UFC's card in Australia, of course. Um, Huge stuff yeah. going down this weekend in Australia. Are you joking? What is that? What is the card? I'm only kidding about that. Uh, oh. We do have a card in Australia, though. Fabricio Verdun, uh, Marcin Tybura, Beck Rawlings yeah. against I'm gonna get Jesse on a plane. Rose Clark. I'm in that time zone. I might as well get on a plane to catch that. Oh, you you should. Yeah. Let's see Janelle Lausa against Eric. Sh- Actually, Eric Shelton's a pretty good fighter. That's on Fight Pass. But it's still Elias, the- Elias Theodoro is fighting on that show. He is. He's fighting Dan Kelly. Jake Man. It's an okay card. It's just uh, it's a mental weekend. At this point, like this is like a real test to see who our real fans are. Okay. Not only are we asking you to find us through difficult means, not through iTunes, how long can you last to listen to this MMA talk at the end of the show? Once once we're talking about Rashad Coulter, I think that's what most people are saying. You know what? I'm I gotta get going. I got some other shows. <laughs> I don't, to I don't to. think I like these guys that much. <laughs> well, in the meantime, folks, you can go to John and Way four dot life and this is our this is our bridge and each day we are building said bridge and we're trying it's our, it's our arc yeah way is currently building some binoculars so we can see what's at the end of this long bridge that we are constructing in real time sure we will find out all right anything any closing words way what are you going to no, do with the I, rest of your day? It's like you're uh, done this show and you've got the whole day ahead of you. I know. I mean, it's getting dark already, actually. So um, I don't know. I'm just going to wander, maybe pass out on a subway somewhere. Are you going to go to a stardom show? I'm going to try on Sunday. I might go with the WH, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. I would love to go to a stardom show live. Dude, there's like there's, there's so much indie wrestling like every weekend, multiple shows in Tokyo. Can like every get promotion some, some bonus reviews from you next Monday night. Yeah, of course. If I go to the shows, I'll definitely be talking about them. So you're going to the tag league show, the opening night on Saturday. Yes. Yes. And then maybe start them on Sunday. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a uh, enjoy. We're waiting for you, man. I'll save a seat for you. Okay. You can well, make your way here. I'll, I'll keep you posted. You never know. Yeah. All right. We will chat with you all in, well, 24 hours or so time. We'll chat SmackDown and that's it. Good night. Or good morning.